I think I would win that. Would you? <laughs> really? More than Michael? Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. It's a problem. <laughs> I understand. There's so many points. It's a problem. That's okay. That's a good problem. All right. So we'll just get started, and then other folks can fill in. <laughs> I turn around, and Jonathan's moved, moved like eight rows further down. <laughs> He lost faith. I'm going to look over here, and he's going to be sitting here. Um, I was like, it wasn't faith. I was presuming. I was like, what am I thinking? Good morning. Good morning. Come on in. You're not late. We're on GFC time. Yes. GFC time. Good morning. Todd, in a moment, can I ask could you open us in prayer in a moment when they get seated? Just tell me the exact right time. No, you're good. You're good. All right. This is, we're going to talk about apologetics this morning and this year. I'm excited. It's going to be a really good, great study. Um, very, super applicable, super important for every Christian. Hit lots of different topics. Um, it's going to be really a lot of fun. Um, and but before we get started, Todd, could you open us in prayer? Lord, we are so grateful for this opportunity uh, to dig into your word, to um, learn and, and understand better how to share uh, the truth of your gospel, mm-hmm. the love of Jesus uh, with the world uh, in more effective and meaningful, powerful ways. We pray that you would bless this time, that your spirit would be with us to give us guidance and wisdom as we learn and as we uh, grow together. And we just pray that you would continue to uh, watch over and bless GFC and, uh, and all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That's great. Hey, Keith. We just got started, so you're fine. Um, so we're going to talk about apologetics today and next week. Are going to be like a little intro, and then we're going to get into subject, you know, specific issues and topics. So. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk specifically about what apologetics is, why we should do it, and a little bit how we should do it. So, what it is, why we should do it, and how we should go about it. Good morning. Uh, so, first, we're going to talk about what is apologetics. Now, I think most of you know or have heard, like, I was not a Christian my whole life. So, before I became a Christian, uh, I wasn't really asking any of these big questions about the meaning of life or anything. I was just kind of cobbling it all together based on basically just flying by the seat of my spiritual pants, so to speak. Um, not Definitely not thinking systematically or clearly about any of it, about God, about life, any of it. I was very angry just in general and... I was very uh, frustrated with Christians who seemed to be very closed-minded and bigoted and stupid. And then I met uh, Kari, my wife, most of you know her. Uh, and it was, it was really interesting because she actively challenged me to start considering some of these bigger questions. So uh, I'm not thinking like, oh, like what are the rational reasons or is it credible to believe in God? I'm just like... If there is a God, I'm angry. I'm ticked off at him. And, and Christians are stupid for believing that. And it was interesting because Kari was the first one to kind of challenge that and be like, well, tell me more about like what you do believe. And, you know, I, my system of 
belief was um, this is an arbitrary, chaotic, meaningless world, and the goal in life is to kind of grab as much fleeting enjoyment as you can until you die and cease to exist. And she's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and I think she, it wasn't, she was probably one of the first people to actually force me to articulate what I believe. What, you know, I didn't know the word worldview, but like that was my worldview, was this. And it wasn't really until she kind of gently got me to put that on the table that I started to look at it and realize, wow, that's, that's a little bleak. <laughs> and, and then, you know, within that context, Kari was able to say, well, I mean, there are some alternatives. Uh, and so we started a whole long series of conversations about all these questions because, uh, you know, I would say, God doesn't exist. And she'd say, well, why not? I'm like, well, I don't know, just, he doesn't, it's stupid. <laughs> She's like, well, you know, and then she had some reasons. She's like, well, have you thought about this? And have you thought about this? And I was like, well, no, I haven't. But what about evil and suffering? She's like, well, what do you think they're, you know, and I was like, well, I don't know. And she's like, well, have you thought about this and this and this? I'm like, dang it. Um, so it was like three months of engaging on these topics. And it was part evangelism, part apologetics, part just the Holy Spirit convicting me and working to bring about regeneration and new life uh, in, in my heart, um, which was crazy. And uh, it was this whole long process. Um, and here's the thing. Kari knew what she believed. She knew why she believed it. And she was ready to talk about that with others. And that's all apologetics is. That, I mean, that, that's ultimately what it is. Knowing what you believe, knowing why you believe it, and then being ready to give an answer, to share that with other people. Maybe not perfectly. I don't think anyone feels 100% confident to share everything all the time, to answer everyone's questions, concerns, and critiques. Um, uh, sometimes we don't even feel fully equipped to answer like our own doubts and concerns, and thoughts, even as adults, or like our kids. <laughs> our kids stump us all the time, and I have to be like, oh man, that's a good question. I know there's an answer to that. Hold on, I've got to think about that a little more. Um, and most of us are not gifted debaters. I mean, you've seen, if you've been a Christian for a while, you've seen some of these debaters, and authors, and speakers, and they just seem to, they have like all the answers, and it's all logical, and that's an amazing gift, but that's why they're doing that as a job full-time, because God's given them that gift. And most of us are not like that. And we're going to stumble through that. And there are tons of really, really difficult questions. And as you push deeper, they can get really complex. So the goal is not perfection. The goal is not being the next great you know, debater um, on TV. Um, but imagine if when Kari and I had met and I kind of challenged her, like, God, why would you go to church? That's dumb. Uh, God doesn't exist. If she had just kind of shrugged her shoulders and been like, I, I don't know, I just kind of do. I mean, 
that would have been a pretty, <laughs> I think that probably would have been the end of our conversation right there. Now, obviously, God could work to bring me to faith anyway, but it's just, the point is, she was ready. She didn't have every answer, but she had moved beyond just merely going to church to really wrestling to figure out answers to some of these questions for herself. Like, beyond just kind of being comfortable with cruising along in a Christian culture, which is very easy for us to do. I go to church, I listen to Caleb, I, I, I know the lingo, um, I go to youth group or whatever. It's another step of work for us to actually dig a little deeper and, okay, but why do I believe these things? Like, why do I think these things are true? And then to be ready to share that with somebody else. And so that's what we want to do this year. We want to equip you with enough resources over the next, whatever, eight, nine months. Give you enough exposure so that you can do two things. First, so that uh, you feel that you have a better, clearer, deeper grasp of what you believe and why. First and foremost, we want you to have a much stronger understanding what you believe and why you believe it. And secondly, um, to move beyond that personal confidence in your own faith, we want you to be ready to share that confident belief with other people, just as Kari did with me, whatever, 27 years ago. Not perfectly, but uh, maybe with stumbling through it, but to have know that there are answers to these questions and you can begin to articulate them to other people. So I want to pause here. What, what are some common... Uh, actually, Michael, do you have like a pen? You do have a pen. Can you write some of these da- answers down? So um, I want to, we, we want to hear from you, actually. What are some common challenges or objections that you've heard to Christianity from other people, family members, um, friends? Your kids, <laughs> your own doubts. That Christians are hypocrites. Okay, Christians are hypocrites. Yep, that's a common one. Why should I, all Christians are hypocrites, so why should I be a Christian? Yeah. Hi, good morning. No, you're fine. What are some other challenges? Oh, yeah, Keith and Angie. Go, Keith. I was just going to say, I think I shared it a while back. I've never had somebody say this before, but he said, he said he was an anarchist, and I asked him what that meant. Oh, yeah. Pretty much got into that if there was a God and he allowed the evil in this world, then he's a terrible God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That question of evil. Yeah, the problem of evil. What are some other? Yeah, Jonathan. Um, Why should I trust the Bible or these particular 66 books if it was men that put them together? Yeah, and that's a lot of it, different issues crammed into one. But yeah, the authority of the Bible. I mean, we turn to that for everything, so how can we trust it? Yeah. Where's some other? Yeah, Stephen. The uh, idea that uh, there's other uh, long standing cultures that have their own God, and then, you know, who are we to say ours is the, the real God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. What about all the other religions out there? Like, why Christianity and not Islam, or Hinduism, or Buddhism, or Judaism, or Jainism, or Sikhism, or anything, yeah. Um, why does God need praise if he's almighty? Oh, 
Yeah. That's great. Great question. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's a great question, because that's like one of those, we just assume that as Christians, but then if you can step outside yourselves for a second, be like, oh, yeah, I can see how that is. It does sound a little weird. Yeah, what are some other questions? Challenges you've heard. I guess related to Jonathan's would be like how reliable is the disciples' testimony? Like, did Jesus actually raise from the dead, or was that just a hoax? Yeah, both of those. Like, yeah, what about the resurrection? That's like a huge question. I mean, nothing like that in human history has ever happened. For a lot of non-Christians, is simply unbelievable. Um, uh, it's a myth or a fantasy. But then also, how reliable are all these eyewitness accounts? Like so, the supposed eyewitness account. Uh, yeah, it's great. How do I know he's real? I can't hear him, see him, feel him. Like, how do I know like it's true? Just because it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you keep talking about his God. I don't see him. If he showed up here, then I'd believe, but he won't. So until then, I'm holding out. Yeah, that's great. Candy. Um, sort of in a similar vein, um, there are so many religions in the world, and other people believe just as firmly in the Yeah. Um, a lot of very sincere followers, like in, and if they sincerely believe this to be true, we sincerely believe it to. What? How do we judge that? And then a follow up is like, and what's going to happen at the end? Yeah, these are great. Keep them coming. That was a huge one for uh, Kari's grandfather. We talked about that. He kept coming back around to that over and over again. He couldn't. And every, when we talk about it and give him answers and nothing, he just he really struggled with that. And it's a real. And we should all struggle with that, honestly, because we're talking about real people, individuals, um, and eternity. So it, it's a big question. Yeah. What are some others? Yeah. Um, and what, can you tell me your name, sorry? Jamie. Jamie? Yes. Okay. It was kind of like a question I kept getting from people who were like, it was like, um, if I lived a good life without doing anything bad, like I commit a sin, but I don't believe in God or like Christianity, does that mean I still go to hell just because I didn't believe it? Yeah. Because that doesn't sound fair. Like I'm a good person, so why am I being condemned? Because, just because I don't, follow, believe in this person. Yeah. That's really good. What are some others? If you say God is so good, then why is it that these other people who have never heard of him or don't believe in him would go to hell? Yeah. That doesn't sound very loving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about, uh, I don't think anyone's mentioned issues of science, right? Like, I can, I can believe, like, all this just came out of nothing. I mean, I've been to the Field Museum. But I, I, and, 
you know, and I learned how the world came to be, and we've got fossils and evolution, and isn't that completely opposed to creation and the biblical? I don't see how these two can go together. I mean, where? What about dinosaurs? How does that fit in? And do you really believe that Noah built there was an actual ark? I mean, that seems kind of ridiculous. Aren't they opposed to each other, science and faith? But what about the sexuality, human sexuality, right? Seems like God hates gay people, so I don't want to be a part of a religion that hates other people. Um, we could go on and on. Did you have one, or you're just... Oh, no, um, just connected to, like, your comment about, like, do you really believe Noah built the ark? And then it made me think of, like, the, the problem of miracles, like... Yes, it's um, huge. All Because that's not the only extraordinary thing that right. you believe. It's one of many. <laughs> and angels? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, sure, on a TV show, fine. But real life? Like aliens? Yeah. <laughs> aliens, yes. Angels, no. Can I phone a friend? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I don't feel like I'm very quick with the words for explaining. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's just, it's also like saying, well, like, how, why do you say red is red? Like, you know, like, to me, because it's so foundational to my mm-hmm. um, life, you're, you're asking me to, you know, to describe purple, you know? Right. Or, or something. It's just, it's just so like in me that it, it's hard to put into words, and yet it's needful to put it into words. And I think that's why we were excited to be here because yeah, you have your supposition, or that's not the exact yeah. word, but you have the things that you really that you believe, and you're like, this is how it, this is just how it is. And then somebody like, oh, I didn't even know somebody had a question like that. Right. Or, know how to answer that that's you know because I didn't think to ask that yeah can can anyone else relate to that yeah I've definitely been there where it's like someone asks us one of those questions I'm like yeah (laughs) that's a great question Jamie Yeah, there's lots of issues wrapped up in there, but I mean, the witness of, of history um, has definitely challenged people. Oh, well, what about the Crusades? You know, what about all this violence? Um, so, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk a good talk, but like as Christians, but let's look at history because it doesn't sound good. And what about all the missionaries going around the world, destroying all these ethnic cultures, bringing diseases, imposing. Um, all kinds of awful things. 
I mean, I don't want to be a part of a religion like that. And on and on and on. We could go on. So Michael's going to answer all these questions next week. So this is good. Make sure you bring your pens and paper. Yeah. <laughs> Every single one. Um, so that we want to unpack these over the course of the next eight, nine months. A lot of these questions. Each week we'll kind of, so we're going to do two weeks on introduction. And then after that, we're just going to get straight in and start talking about a lot of these questions. And... Um, and, and then at the end of maybe around April-ish, we're tr- still trying to figure this out, we're hoping to bring in a, a speaker, a friend of mine who works for Stand to Reason. It's an apologetics ministry out in California um, to do a seminar just to kind of round all this out. We're going to be talking about not just like why we can trust that the New Testament documents are reliable, but then also... Hopefully giving you guys tools so that, like Andrew said, you don't have the deer in headlights look when someone asks that. You know, having thought and wrestled through some of these questions here in the class, you'll then feel more comfortable being like, oh, yeah, okay, I see why people might have these questions and these are some common threads. And some of these questions in the end are, there are some just very common questions that people have and there are some complex answers, but you can just start in a very simple place. And we're also going to talk about the value of asking other people questions as well. Because I think sometimes, all too often, we get so stuck in like, oh my gosh, I've got to answer all their critiques. And I think one thing Akari did so well with me was turning it back around and being like, well, why do you believe that? (laughs) Well, how does that give you meaning and purpose? Well, why don't you believe this? And that was, I had never encountered that. As a non-Christian, I was used to 100% offense, and all of a sudden I was having to play defense, and that threw me off, and I realized I don't have answers to any of these things, because no one's ever challenged them. Um, So that can be a really helpful tool as well. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself, though. Um, So, uh, what is apologetics? Um, Knowing what you believe, why being ready to give a response. Now, the word apologetics comes from the Greek word apologia. I know some of you are familiar with this, which really just means an answer given in reply. So you're in a courtroom, uh, you've been accused of something, and you're going to give a, your, you have an opportunity to give your defense. That's your apologia. You're, you're, you're giving a response to something. So we read, um, for example, Luke 12. Verse 11, and I can send you some of these notes. I didn't print out a handout, but I can send these out to people uh, after the class. Luke twelve eleven. and when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. That word defend is apologia. Don't be anxious about how you're going to give an apology for, for what you should say or... Um, uh, or later in Acts, you know, and when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my apologia, my defense in this moment. Uh, and then um, uh, later in Acts, he says, uh, Paul says, I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, that I'm going to make my apologia, my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews. So in a broad sense, it's just like a, a defense, like, hey, someone's accusing me something and I can give a response. 
But then later in uh, Philippians and First Peter, kind of narrows down really to focusing much more on a, on a defense for the gospel and for what we believe. So we read in um, uh, Philippians 1, 7, Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So here he's talking about the apology of the gospel, and, and he's grateful for their partnership in that. Later he says, The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Again. And then 1 Peter 3, which is kind of the famous apologetics verse here. Starting in uh, verse 13, Paul says, I mean, Peter says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So in uh, the, uh, we don't have like a vision of modern apologetics as we are familiar with it today, like Lee Strobel or something or, um, in the Bible, but we can see the, the roots, the genesis of it being ready to give a response for what you believe. Uh, so if you look in, in 1 Peter uh, 3, verse 15, he says, First, um, he says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. So first he's talking about the importance of our own faith in Christ. Revering, uh, and, and valuing Christ uh, as Messiah ourselves. So for me, I think about that is knowing what, what you believe. Like you are secured in your faith. That's part of the, the first step. And then he says, um, you're being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So you need to know why you have hope. Like, we talk a lot about the hope that we have in Christ. And so we need and we want to know why we have that hope. And then being prepared to share that then with others. So, I put my faith in Christ. I know and understand why clearly I have that hope. And then I'm prepared to share it with others. And then finally, to do so with gentleness and respect. And we're going to keep coming back around to that throughout the course, the mode, the, the, the way in which we share and do apologetics with others makes a big difference, uh, not confrontationally with a, a view to sort of beating someone else in a debate, like this is a smackdown, but, um, but with a view to them ultimately coming to faith in Christ. That's what we're really trying to do. So, um, when we think about why we should do apologetics, um, first, obviously, as we just read, God commands it. Like, you need to be ready to give a defense. Um, 
But narrowing it down a little bit more, you can kind of come up with four different functions for apologetics. And, and I'm, I'm borrowing here from um, apologist uh, Ken Boa, because he lays this out. I think it's really helpful. Because there's lots of different reasons, right? Like we talked about, well, it's encouraging for you personally, but then you also need to be able to share it with others. And so he actually breaks it down into four. So these are the four he gives. So the first is what he calls vindication or proof. So this involves gathering all the best arguments that you can muster, as well as all the best scientific and historical evidence for the faith. So why do apologetics? So that we can develop a positive case for Christianity that should be accepted. This is like, know what, what you believe. Like, to be encouraged personally. Like, secure in your faith. Now, the second is, is what he calls defense. So you're playing, there's a defensive role here for apologetics. Defending Christianity against the attacks of the world. So why do apologetics? To clarify the Christian position in the face of misrepresentation. A lot of the things you guys brought up are, are twisted or they're misrepresentations of Christianity, misunderstandings of the Bible. Um, defensively, we can answer objections or questions that non-Christians have. Um, we can clear away intellectual uh, stumbling blocks that non-believers claim to stand in their way. Uh, so, when we're playing defense, we're not so much trying to show this is true and you should believe it, but we're just trying to show that this is credible, like it is totally credible and legitimate for Christians to believe this. That's a kind of a defensive posture. But we kind of stay there, and the Bible doesn't even encourage us to stay there. There's definitely, um, an, I don't want to say an, offen- an offensive <laughs> function, but we play offense as well. Uh, it's not just defense. There's, there's, we're playing offense. And this function focuses on answering um, uh, not specific objections, but the arguments non-Christians give to support their own beliefs. So on offense, we're challenging others. Well, why would you believe it? Well, how does that solve the problem of suffering? Um, well, where are you going to go when you die? Well, what reason do you have or like you were saying, someone was saying about, um, you know, I'm a good person. Like, why shouldn't, well, on what basis should God let you into heaven? Um, and why do you believe that there is a heaven or a God? <laughs> how, how good is good enough to pass that bar? Like, is one lie, or if you have a thought, or is it just if you do an action? You know, which starting to probe and push others to challenge their beliefs uh, and understandings. And then the fourth goal or motive for apologetics is persuasion. And this is where the rubber meets the road. It's not just persuading people that Christianity is true, but persuading them to apply that truth to their lives. So bringing people to the point of commitment. So Kari and I talked for months about all these big issues. We keep circling around and I keep coming up with new things. But ultimately, Kari started pushing like, okay, but what do you think about Jesus? And when are you going to make a decision about these? That's really where we start to get in. These where apologetics and evangelism kind of start to blur together. Because really, um, 
that's what we're pushing for, is for people to put their trust in Jesus Christ. Like, Paul wasn't concerned just to prove that Christianity is true. He wants people to believe the gospel, to repent and to believe. And that's ultimately what we want, to persuade people, not just that this is true, but that they should also apply it to their lives. I got to the place where I was like, oh, I believe that this is true for all you Christians out there. But then it was another step to be like, oh, and it also applies to me. Like, I need to make a commitment of faith. So, re-summarizing those. So you have the four functions. Apologetics as proof shows that Christianity is reasonable. Apologetics as defense shows that Christianity is not unreasonable. Like, hey, this is not unreasonable for me to believe this. Apologetics as offense shows that non-Christian thought is indeed unreasonable. Like, it's illogical, it's inconsistent, it's ultimately unsatisfactory, doesn't answer the big questions in life, Uh, it's unreasonable. Uh, And then fourth, apologetics as persuasion uh, takes into account that faith, uh, Christianity is not known by reason alone. It's not just a logical sequence of learning certain facts that sequentially result in faith. There is a Holy Spirit-driven encounter with God that brings about that transformation. That's, uh, that's what we're pushing for ultimately. So, what, I don't know if you've heard of these. What, what do you guys think of these, these four modes of apologetics? Which ones have you experienced before or maybe feel more comfortable with? I think the defending one um, is the one I think of most often. Um, and sometimes, like when you were saying, you know, not everybody has that, that sharpness yeah. you know, or whatever to debate and whatnot, but more often when I see people who do place themselves up there on the platform to debate, I, even as a Christian, feel offended by their offensiveness and the way they are kind of arrogant in it, um, you know, and maybe it's not a lot of them mm-hmm. that I've seen, but I've just noticed that sometimes, you know, they kind of are kind of, I don't know if they're baiting or they're, what, but they're, they're trying to make the other person Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's really good. What about other experiences? Or, I mean, have you seen or this idea of these sort of different functions of apologetics? How have you seen those play out? Any different experiences? Related to the first one, I mean, my, my real, I used apologetics early on in my Christian walk, but it was very basic just for me just to read the Bible because I'm running into things that wouldn't make sense to me, like it would say, well, this guy was the son of this person. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem right. Like, I don't think that's right. But then it wasn't really his son. It was his grandson, like in the book of mm-hmm. Daniel. Uh, but, like, that's just the language they use in. Or there's a, this king rule for this much. But then in Chronicles, it says the same king rule for this long. Like, okay, so which one is it? That's a clear contradiction. Why is that there? Yeah. And so it was just for me, like, oh, okay, that clears it up. Well, that makes sense, the way they date things. Like, okay, and I just keep reading the Bible. It was just for me. There's certain things that I would see in the Bible that just didn't add up, I guess you can say. That almost sounds like sacrilegious. But just things like that are like, why did the rooster no. have to crow twice in Mark? But it says once the rooster, like, what is that about, you know? So things like that, just difficulties for me, not yeah. really for others. I mean, when they came up, I'm like, oh, I studied that for me, you know, like, hardly that ever happened, you know, but here and there, but that's, that was my experience at Apologia, just for me, so I could just read the Bible and just have peace of mind for my own sake. Yeah, that, that's definitely, that's, that's a great example of that, something in that first category of, like, proof or um, encouragement in your own faith to understand, and we should all be doing that with our Bibles, like reading closely enough to say, and and sort of openly enough to say, wait, does this make sense, or how could there really be that many people, or is this what it? How do these numbers correlate? And not to be scared of those questions, like that. This is part of growing in our faith is encountering these oddities and seeing them there and being ready to engage with them. And say, okay. I got to look into this more, figure this out, um, rather than just kind of skipping over them. And that is a huge part of apologetics. That's part of what we want to do here is uh, hit some of these issues, and and that they would be a encouragement for people to know why they believe what they believe. I think too, with the fourth point of persuasion, um, we can get so absorbed with apologetics that think that it all makes sense and we forget that the Holy Spirit has to be um, touching the, the person to whom you're speaking. Yeah. And if, if he isn't, then you're out of It's really hard. <laughs> yeah. Have you, got, have you had an encounter with that? Oh, my, yes. All yeah. the time with my, my kids. But the answer was always prayer. I was just reading yeah. about George Fuller last night and he had a list of five people he was praying for. And um, one person was converted in a year, and one in the, and so on. And he was almost dead, <laughs> and the last two were converted. And it, it bears witness to our um, need to per- persevere in prayer, yeah. as well as know the answers. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good word. It goes, yeah, Keith. I was just going to say, I'm kind of intrigued by the third one, the offensive. And... You know, whenever Jesus dealt with people, he always asked.
sense. So a lot of times I think we hear things and we don't know the answers and we feel back on our heels and thrown off. Yeah. And he just flips things around and I've had some interesting conversations with people where I just ask questions and it actually takes the pressure off of you <laughs> and just gets people talking totally. and helping them think through things themselves. And it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's, that's a great example. Like, it's just starting to pick away and expose the fallacies and inconsistencies in other worldviews. And once you start picking away at that, it does a lot. <laughs> doesn't take much. Um, that's a great, yeah, great way to avoid finding yourself stumbling around, for sure. Also, something I found used for apologetics is like it really helps to clear like just the air because mm. there's a lot of like a lot of these questions like well what about this what about that like apologetics sometimes slices right through that like well why should I believe the Bible man wrote it like you believe medical journals all the time like you don't think like this like that's foolish like that's not you you don't say these things like and then like they're like oh you're you're right like I'm just saying that that's just fluff that I picked up on the internet. So I feel like it does clear the air a lot of times. Yeah, that's in the, the, the offense side of things, right? To being ready to expose some of these inconsistencies, which um, are many of these um, critiques are filled with huge um, inconsistencies. Well, um, and we're kind of already moving into this now, but I also want to talk a little bit about like how we should do apologetics. Um, which, you know, this is just like a brief overview, and we're going to keep, again, looping back to this as we hit different topics. But um, obviously, first and foremost, you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. And so we're going to talk about that in class, but it's also what you do at home when you read books. Or like Jonathan said, I, you encounter a question. And I mean, even if you don't go look it up in a book, at least look at a study note or something, you start okay, I'm going to pause long enough to try and figure this out. Okay, that's why this is here. That's why there's this inconsistency or whatever. It's a great book. Um, resource. Uh, the big book of Bible inconsistencies or something like that. Um, I've got it at home. <clears throat> it's a title something like that. And it basically just goes through the whole Bible. And as you're reading, you know, I'm in Second Chronicles, and it has most of the major sort of critiques about different inconsistencies in there, and it gives like some reasons or explanations, some of them historical or archaeological or, or thematic or whatever they are. Super helpful book to have on hand as you're reading. It's helpful. Uh, yeah, the big book of Bible. Who's the author? Norman L. Geisler? Geisler? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, he's a... well-known uh, apologist. So that, there's, there's great books for that. So knowing what you believe, being ready to study, using books like this. Um, honestly, like catechisms are kind of helpful for this too. Just as ways to build into our families' lives, like reasons for, for belief. But um, so first, knowing what you believe for yourself. But then when you start engaging with others, 
here's a whole bunch of just this is just some bullet point um, approaches to apologetics. The first, obviously, is listening actively. So, what is active listening? Paying attention. Yeah. I mean, not not formulating what you're going to say while somebody else. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a big. I'm waiting for you to be done talking so I can talk. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so how do we actively listen to someone? Yeah. Well, for example, um, asking questions to clarify, to repeat back what you think they're saying, and they ask if you're understanding that correctly. One yeah. Person can do. It sounds like Keith is our resident expert on this. <laughs> uh, no, but I remember you telling me about that conversation with the anarchists, and you were asking, like, really good questions like okay what i'm hearing you say is is this and oh well tell me more about that and i'm actively engaged in trying to draw out from them what they believe i'm i'm engaged and like rita said not just waiting for them to stop talking so i can insert the right answer into the conversation um so first active listening secondly and you know maybe this is not all in the same order but um but working to build a relationship of trust. Now, if you're just talking with someone on the street, maybe that's a little bit different. But most of these conversations happen in extended family members or coworkers or situations, neighbors. And so definitely part of the work of the apologist is building trust and relationship. Like, I care about you uh, as an individual, not just as a project mm-hmm. or as like a, a task that I'm trying to accomplish. Uh, so expressing genuine care and trying to build a relationship. Associated with that is being patient. So third way is just being patient. Um, this is definitely something that takes time. Um, unlikely, I mean, it's, and again, we see this in evangelism too. Sometimes God moves in evangelism in amazing, fast ways. But in this area of apologetics, where you're really wrestling through a lot of these questions, that can take time to process and think through like that question of evil is huge. Um, it's unlikely you're going to give an answer and the other person's going to be like, oh, okay, that's good. Problem solved. Let's, let's go on to the next thing. It's probably going to be an ongoing conversation as you work through, through some of that. Um, a, a fourth uh, step would be um, kind of focusing in on, on major concerns. They're trying to sift through, and I think back to like when Kari was uh, talking with me, she would kind of, I would throw out a whole bunch of stuff, and she would kind of sift it through and just pick one thing. <laughs> and that can be really helpful too, just like, he, uh, like Angie was saying, so, so you don't get overwhelmed with, oh my goodness, I don't know where to begin with all this. I don't even understand some of these things you're talking about. You can say, okay, well, let, let's just talk about you know, whatever, evil, the problem of evil. Because we're going to talk a lot about that, and you're going to feel confident talking about that. And sometimes non-Christians don't even know what their problems are, and they're just, I'm just talking, talking, and because and you asked me why, and I'm giving you a whole bunch of things, and you're helping them to zero in and narrow down what the actual issue is. It can be really helpful so that you don't get overwhelmed in the moment. Um, obviously... Next one will be avoid getting defensive or confrontational. I mean, it's right there. Do it with gentleness and respect. 
I mean, a good conscience. <laughs> um, there is a lot of animosity towards Christians right now and to what we believe, and increasingly so, it seems. And there can be a lot of heat in conversations. And we want to avoid getting kind of sucked into that or um, derailed by that as much as possible. Um, so I can go back to the active listening. Wow, I can see why you're, I can see you're really upset about this issue. Like, tell me, tell me more about this. Feels like maybe this is something personal um, that's going on here. And you know, Tell me more about that. Uh, instead of taking it personally ourselves. Which is very easy because, like, this is personal. It would be normal to take attacks on our faith personally, because it is personal. Like, <laughs> I love Jesus, and if someone's critiquing and tearing it all apart, that should hurt and feel personal, in a way, right? Because, um, but being able to kind of okay. They're not doing that for this reason. They're lost. They're blinded by the God of this, this age. They are um, living in sin, and they are blind, and they need the light. And I have an opportunity to, to help them do that. Um, uh, six, number six, um, admit when you don't know. This is super great. I just give, want to give you all freedom. Like You can just say, I don't know. Uh, with your parents, you can. T- if you haven't already done this with your kids, you don't have to fake like you know it all because you don't. So you can just tell your kids, like, I don't, that's a great question. I don't know the answer, but I know I can look it up and find it, and let's keep talking about it. Um, or, well, I think this is kind of the way I'd answer that, but I'd like to think about this a little bit more. So can we talk about this again next week? It's just being honest. Like, you don't have to pretend to know more than you do. Um, avoid uh, number seven. Avoid oversimplification. Um, the, some of these issues really are complex, and uh, on the one hand, we want to give you some straightforward answers. On the other hand, uh, some of these issues really are very, very, very deep. And Christians and philosophers and theologians have wrestled with these for, I mean, the problem of evil, problem of suffering, problem of uh, what's going to happen to other people, uh, other religions. I mean, these are big, big questions. And they can, it's okay to kind of live in that complexity and and recognize it's going to get deep. Um, But, number eight, at the same time, you want to keep pushing towards Jesus. You don't want to get bogged down and stuck where it's been like two months. And Like with Kari's grandfather, I just felt like we never got to Jesus. We were just stuck on repeat with this issue of, well, what about the people who've never heard? What about the people who've never heard? Um, and I don't think we did a good job of kind of pushing towards Jesus. And then number nine would be, uh, just as Rita said, this is a spiritual battle, and we need to be praying for the Spirit to move in the other person's life. This isn't a, a, a debate at work over, well, should we buy this new software system, or should we buy this new software system? And you're going to give your answers, and I'm going to give my answers. And then we're, you know, I mean, 
this is a spiritual battle for eternal salvation, uh, and we need to be praying. And ultimately, I think it wasn't like the answers that Kari gave me were helpful and it played a role. But Kari didn't save me; Christ saved me, <laughs> right? And it's important that we remember that as we're going through apologetics and in all evangelism, really. And number ten, because it has to be ten. I couldn't stop with nine. Is uh, yeah. Now yeah. I feel so much better than 10. Oh, okay. But it's fine. Go ahead. Give 10. All right. Well, I'm going to give 10 because I like 10. <laughs> um, was, is don't give up. Yeah. And that's really tempting to do because it's overwhelming. And I mean, it's true in evangelism too. A great example again from Rita as far as, you know, George Miller's prayers, persistency in prayer. Um, I think about trying to reach my own parents with the gospel. And I mean, for chunks of time, I did give up. I mean, it just felt pointless and we're not getting anywhere. But we remember that this spiritual battle and God is on our side and the Holy Spirit is powerful and at work. We should never give up on this. On this. So uh, ultimately, we're talking, when we talk about how do we do apologetics, uh, I think about it this way. It's conversation with a view towards transformation. That, that's what we're doing. We think about the how in, in so far as engaging with the others, being ready to have an answer. It's conversation with a view towards transformation. That's what we're pushing for, transformation in, in the other person's life. Um, I got 10, but yeah, do you, yeah, Stephen. <laughs> and, and yet, Great, we'll have you teach some of these. Yeah, and, and, and yet, the, am I just completely impotent, mm-hmm. really? And I'm just laying out, here's, here's what the Word says, and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. I kind of go back and forth on that. I don't know. I, that's a great question, and um, I think both are a play, and this is, it's like everything else in the Christian life. Right, I mean, 
Um, it's, it's all God working to bring about change. Like in my own life. Like how am I growing as a Christian? Well, it's the Spirit's work in my life slowly uh, sanctifying me and growing me and helping me to conform and become more like Christ. But I'm also doing things myself to do that. I mean, I'm reading, I, I am the one reading the Bible. I'm the one that's praying. I'm the one that's fasting or giving or serving or being self-sacrificial or choosing to um, hold my tongue or to forgive. But Christ is also the one who's working through all of those things to bring about change. Um, the same in evangelism. Like We're responsible for sharing the gospel with other people. Um, he uses means to accomplish, he uses human means to accomplish his goals. So it's all working together. It's God who's working to will and to act, and, and, and I'm striving with all the strengths that God is working within me. I mean, we see this over and over again. I think the same interplay is happening in apologetics is it's a spiritual work that God is doing in someone's life, or sadly, sometimes not doing. Um, but also, he's calling us to have a role in that, for whatever reason. I was like, far more efficient if God just did it all himself. But he's called us to have like a stumbling part in all of this, too. Um, yeah, Angie. Yeah, and, and then on top of that also, the Bible says God's the one who brings the rain and actually makes it grow also, <laughs> right? So, it, it's, they, they're all, I don't know, is that answering your question or kind of? Maybe a little. A little, okay. It reminds me of the tension that we experience as we read the Bible between the now and the not yet. There's so many things in our spiritual life that we have to hold in tension. And one of them is, when we share the gospel, we're obviously aware that the Holy Spirit is working harder than we are yeah. to, to accomplish this. And, and we just have to be content to live in that tension. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan, you wanted to add something? He said something interesting. So like, um, it's my job like, to win an argument or the yeah. Holy Spirit to win that person. Like, And then you said think uh it's like all i could do is just present the gospel to me when it comes to apologetics and talking to somebody to me winning the argument is that i got to present jesus that's mm -hmm. the way i've seen it i mean that seems kind of weird but to me it's like if i got to talk to you about jesus like i won that like regardless of what happens mm -hmm. that's how i see it that's how i've always seen it with my friends and co-workers like i won that even if i'm sorry i didn't answer your question how you want it but i got what i want out of it and Hopefully, you, you'll get saved, you know. That's, that was my goal, so I won. But my perspective, that's how I see it. Yeah. yeah. Candy. Um, I was just thinking it might be helpful to see ourselves uh, in the equation a little differently. Um, so, uh, people are using examples of seeds and
who sends us with maybe just a word mm-hmm. in this meeting or a kind hand, something to sow into someone's life at that point in time. Maybe I not always know what that would be, except when we're in the moment when the Holy Spirit leads us. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really good. He, he does work through us. There's no question about that. He, he's capable of working independently of us, of course, but that's not how he does it. And uh, so I need to be aware that I need to make myself available for the work. So maybe that's how that works. Uh, I, I th- making ourselves available for sure. I mean, um, there have been times where I think, especially when I was working, before I became a pastor and I was working a computer job and very, very non-Christian environment, there were definitely times where I just, it was too overwhelming and I didn't want to, I didn't want to make myself available because it was just, it's like, I just want to do my job. (laughs) This is so, and I don't feel equipped and it's just, is too much. So I should present truth of God's word. And yet my desire is like to win the debate. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's trying to give the glory to me as opposed to letting God have the glory for it. Kind of like when uh, with Gideon he kept chopping down his army Right. I want you to see what I did. And so, I guess maybe my job is to give the truth um, and let God get the credit for winning the victory. Amen. Amen. And, I mean, you think about the volume of incredibly high-quality apologetic material that's out there on YouTube or TikTok, Instagram, books, whatever uh, the uh, if it was just about winning debates you know then we would be crushing but it's like God has to work it's a reminder that all the resources in the world like God has to be the one who turns someone's heart towards him Um, he works through this to strengthen our faith and to help work through the objections and critiques that other people have and to reveal the inconsistencies in their worldviews, I think that's really helpful and important. Um, but ultimately, that shift to putting faith in Christ, which is what all of this is driving towards, is clearly a work of the Holy Spirit. And um, yeah, we need to guard against that for sure. The goal of this is not to be really smart and I'm I don't know maybe it's too soon but uh, like I brought some just resources and books if anyone wanted to look at them just different books I have here at home and I picked up this one which I've had on my shelf for a while the apologetic study bible uh, which really helpful books because there's some simple straightforward apologetics articles and then it's got some um Notes and things deal with like Bible inconsistencies specifically. It's really great, and it's got all these contributions from all these authors, including Ravi Zacharias. And I was like, oh, 
you know, um, and I even found some good quotes from him. And I'm like, oh, do I bring, do I quote, do I use that or not? And it's hard not to think about um, if there was a shift at some point. I don't know, but if there was a shift at some point in his life from moving away from uh, uh, trusting God to bring transformation in other people's lives and in his own life and towards like, hey, I got all the answers and I can, I can run circles around all these other people and inside it crumbled into nothing. Um, I don't know, but it, I picked this up and that was what was going through my head. Like what, you know, you can have amazing arguments for all these things, but it's useless if inside it's all corroding uh, and you don't have Christ anymore personally. Um, still a good resource, but uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, Jamie. Yeah, and what, what we're all nibbling around is this is like a multifaceted approach towards apologetics. Like from this angle or this angle, and part of it is, is the active listening to determine like where is this person at? What are the questions they're like? Do they even believe in God? Like if they don't even believe in God, then we need to take a what, what's called like sort of a classical apologetics approach of developing uh, a, a sort of philosophical logical uh, foundation for why belief in God is credible and reasonable and then kind of go from there. Um, but if someone's like, yeah, you know, I believe in God and I've, I've read the Bible, but it's just, it's almost like it's not sinking in. And, oh, okay, we need to have a diff- different approach. I'm trying to find out, like, what's, what's going on in this person's life that it's not connecting in some, some level. Um, yeah, for sure. We're, 
Yeah, Michael. I was just thinking, like, maybe it's not a multifaceted approach to apologetics, but a multifaceted approach to witnessing. Yeah, that's, that's what I, yeah. Like, apologetics is like one tool that we use among a, a number of tools that we use to reach out to people right. to try to win them to Christ. We're not trying to win the argument. We're trying to win the person to faith in Christ. Amen. And apologetics is just one tool. Relationship is another tool. Living out our faith in front of them so that they can see the credibility of it is another tool. You know, um, showing, you know, like, Jamie, Jamie? Jamie. What, like what Jamie was saying, helping them connect to it and see uh, see why it's meaningful for them personally is yeah. another tool. And um, yeah, I was thinking about as we were discussing all this, like if if there's roadblocks and we can help remove those, we should do that. We, we ought to do that. Um, the manner in which we approach people is another sort of tool because mm-hmm. we're trying to avoid laying stumbling blocks while we're trying to remove other stumbling blocks mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to we want to take them away and not add any extras <laughs> so but it all comes down like what you said it all comes down to God's work it's not going to be us it doesn't matter how loving we are how gentle we are how respectful we are how wise we are, how eloquent we are, Amen. none of that ultimately matters. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to be loving and welcoming and gracious and gentle and eloquent and articulate. We should. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't have all these things at the ready to give a defense. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to God. Mm-hmm. It's all his work. All of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and praise God, he uses what's weak <laughs> to shame the strong. Mm-hmm what's considered foolish to shame the wise, right? He does that for it. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we will all turn and say, like you did, it wasn't Kari. It was God. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but that doesn't excuse us from the labor. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what, that's what we're here to do every Sunday morning. Labor mm-hmm. hard. Yep, amen. <laughs> so come back next week for more <laughs> hard labor. Um, we're going to close here because you need to get to church. Um, uh, but yeah, we'll have one more intro session next week and then we're going to start talking through some of these issues. Um, that'll be great. Yeah. Um, Rita, could I ask you to close in prayer? Father, we give you thanks that you're such a good father and that you give us this opportunity because our good pastors to get together on a Sunday morning before we worship you to try to understand how best to approach others so that they would be members of our of the kingdom. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for the work you've begun to do, and we have confidence that through faith that you will complete it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you all. Thank you. We'll see you next week.